recording and welcome to another episode of dear reading this is marquise.von across all social media you'll see me in twitter streets uh, but you can also follow the dear reading podcast at dear rdg across all platforms twitter instagram anchor facebook all of the things make sure that you are following us and subscribing to us wherever you listen to your podcast at i'm super excited because we have a really cool interview that we're going to go through today it's a little bit different in terms of like the guests that y'all are normally used to and people that you get to see. We're gonna also just talk to some regular ass people from the city of Reading who are also still doing some really cool things at the same time, but I'm excited to get into this conversation a little bit more. But before we get into all of that, there are multiple ways you can support this here podcast. And you can do so by going to patreon.com slash DearRDG. There you can make a small donation of $2 a month, which is $24 a year to support this here podcast. We appreciate anybody and everybody for doing so. And then you can also support us non-monetarily because we are still in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of social unrest is going on in the world. Protests are happening. India needs saving. We have a lot more to do. So if you want to also give to either a mutual aid fund or a way that you can support these other places by spreading awareness, please do that as well. We appreciate any type of token of y'all doing that. So just be a global citizen, do what you need to do. Um, other than that, make sure you leave us a five-star um, review on Apple Podcasts if you can. This way we can show up on popular playlists. This way we can show up on more lists. If you know somebody who writes these cool lists of Black podcasts to be listening to, make sure that you also help us out with that, John, too. That's super important. Um, visibility is important. But also teaching somebody how to listen to a podcast is also important. A lot of old people think, oh, it's like a radio show. Cool. Something like that. But we don't have to follow FCC policy. Um, so once again, teach your aunties, uncles, frenemies, brothers, nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, whoever, um, how to utilize the podcast and how to listen to them and make sure you send them over to Dear Reading, please. And thank you. Um, now that all the administrative stuff is out of the way, this episode is a dedicated Reading's Finest episode. So this is our interview portion of things. We decided to take the interviews out of the show. So this way y'all get a little bit more content from us with a much more specific and dedicated topic with the guests that we are going to be having. So once again, we appreciate you for being here. Welcome to another episode of Dear Reading. This is a Reading's Finest Edition, which is our interview series. And I'm excited to get into this conversation. And so today we're going to be joined by a wonderful, wonderful guest. I'm going to have him introduce himself. Um, but then also um, we're going to get into a little bit more conversation surrounding the Berks County Prison. So BCP as we know it and how this really impacts our people, um, how it impacts the community, and a lot of stuff that goes in from there. We always talk about what is mass incarceration. We talk about how does it affect the Black person, the Black man, Black black women, and regards to our hometown, the Latinx community, um, and other intersections that are going along with that. And it's important that we also hear these parts of the conversation. This podcast is somebody is a podcast that focuses on abolition and making sure that we're able to uplift the most marginalized of people. So it's important that we also get some people that a lot of society tends to render as invisible in this conversation. And I think that's important for us to really be able to lift up these voices as well, because let me tell you, mass incarceration prisons, they be on some fuck shit. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> How they handled the pandemic, not the best. Um, so I think a lot of this is gonna be important for us to kind of have a conversation about um, and just kind of peel the layers back a little bit. We talk about a lot of high level stuff, but it's important for us to have a more intimate conversation. So. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my brother, my friend, my best friend's older brother, biologically. We out here, you see him, I'm pointing to him on the screen. <laughs> Nehemiah, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. Chilling, chilling. Um, well, first things first, uh, welcome to the show, but also let the audience know who you are, however you want to introduce yourself. Um. Well, like he said, I'm, I'm his best friend, older brother, <laughs> known as God forever. But uh, I'm just an average person. I mean, I, I, I deal with health insurance. I do product of my environment, but on the better side. I'll put it that way. Look, and that happens. And I think that's important to name. Like, there's so many different, like, things that go on in the city of Reading. This podcast, we tend to interview people. Oh, this person's doing this. So this person got a book out. This person got a podcast out. This person got the, no, there are more people in the city of Reading that don't get their voices as amplified. Um, so no, I know we've always had like conversations surrounding like your experience being in and out of BCP and stuff like that. And then also like what happens after, what is the system actually like? 
and all of this stuff. So I want to take us back to just start with like your kind of overall experience with BCP. Like, like what, the first time? Yeah, let's go to the first time. Like, what was that experience like? Um, what? How old were you? Um, and then go from there. I think I was like, I think I was like 18, mm-hmm. 17, something like that. But I was, I was just, I was just worried. I was thinking it was going to be like the movies. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm about to, they're going to try to rape me. I'm about to have to rumble everybody. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it wasn't that bad after the, after the, you got that out in the first like 24 hours. Right. Then when you hit, you hit the lock, it's, it's like, you just got to, you're locked in most of the time. So it, it just is, that in itself just makes you appreciate your freedom that mm-hmm. yeah. makes you appreciate it a lot. Right. And, I mean, after the first time, like I, it's weird. It's weird to say, but it's like it becomes like, like riding a bike. You right. know what I mean? Like it, you gotta, you learn the way that you're supposed to, the way that you're supposed to act. Whether you you need to act around other, you gotta note that you're around grown ass men, mm-hmm. and. Then you gotta uh, note as well that you're around people in a tight space, so you have to. You, if you don't have respect, you have to establish it. It's gonna be rough for you. Yeah. Well, talk because <clears throat> you said 18, so at this point you're still a teenager at this time too. Okay. And so, just for all intents and purposes, what was that like to have to establish this respect with a bunch of grown men and being in such a tight space? I mean, I was. I was in, I was, like I said, I was, I was in the mix at that point in time. So I already, I already had a, a certain level of respect as far as respect I demanded from people, mm-hmm. as well as respect that I would just give people. You, you giving this to somebody that doesn't, until they don't need it. You feel like that. Or if you feel like you have to assert your dominance mm-hmm. to, to show who's who in the totem pole. But I mean, as far as that, like I, I had issues, I had issues in there, but. It wasn't. It, it, it mainly just goes off. Of you 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 learn you learn you learn quick, right. because either you learn by making an example or being an example, or you learn just off of watching. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you pay attention to all right, this person's like this, this person's like that, then you're you're sitting there watching like all right, well, I know he's going to use this. He's going to use this machine. We got an hour out. He only uses it for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I just want to lean on it so I could wait for the phone nah I ain't gonna lean on it it's, it's his time that he uses it so I'm not right. gonna get in his way it just it just is little things like that like I haven't seen people get beat up over double calling <laughs> like oh it, shit yeah they wanna call they wanna double back and you got five six people that's waiting to use the phone to, or, or you feel like you're entitled to skip everybody and mm-hmm. they, just get it get dark for people so real quick right and i like to me that job is always wild like my dad would tell me some stories just in terms of like his experience and uh, i'm in the prison system but there's also like a developmental aspect of it too right like there's trauma that you experience there's yeah, a lot of, of that you see fights you see violence you see neglect <laughs> happen yeah. in these spaces and so can you talk to us kind of about like where was it for you just growing into your manhood like to have to establish yourself in that space but then also for all intents and purposes like have your rights taken away too like I what mean, was that like for you to develop in that kind of area it, it, it's a wake-up call for you because when you're when you're outside like you you don't take advantage of everything that's around you that's given to you so like for me, for example, I have I have my mother. Right. Like so, for me to have to, it wasn't the first time or the second time I I, I went to jail. Like, it was it was probably like the third time, and I'm like, my mom's always here, but when you're outside on the outside, like these people are instilling things or trying to at least to help you to develop into a man. Right. And it's like you you put yourself in a situation where you're forced to have to do that. I'm not gonna say jail is a bad thing if it's used for the right. For the the right way, but when you, like when you say neglect, I mean I was I was just recently there during the, last year during the whole COVID thing. So, for one, the have you ever been to the hole? Like start off with that, like that. 
you you get twenty three and one. Mm-hmm. The one hour you don't want because you're in a you're in a small cage right. where you can see you can see the light, but like you you don't want that. I guess like just leave me in there. Mm-hmm. But then it was to the point during COVID where everything was twenty three and one. Right. You would get your and it wasn't even twenty three and one. It was three days at a time. You got to get a you got thirty minutes out. Nah, that's drugs out of pocket. Can you lean into that a little bit? Because there was actually like people were exploiting <laughs> the whole at this point, the twenty three and one, a lot during the pandemic, and there are people who are still keeping that intact. So what what was that like for you? Well, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't even in the hole during that time period. I mean, me me personally, like I like to just being being uh incarcerated. You want to try to find something that's going to give you a routine. Mm-hmm. It makes the time go by faster. It's it's like for me right now, like I know I, I work Monday through Saturday. So I get up at six. I, I'm ready to go by eight. I leave. I, I start work at 830, nine o'clock and I'm home by 730. And then I'll eat, go sleep. And it's a, it's a routine. And, and I learned that in prison. Like, right. So it's like you, 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 you stay repetitive like that. You might get up in the morning and you like I never eat breakfast. That's. I still don't understand how y'all do that, but I, <laughs> Amanda just said the same thing earlier. I said, I don't know how people skip breakfast. It don't make sense to me, but go off. Keep going. <laughs> you'll, you'll get, I'll get up for breakfast. I usually get my celly, my tray. If I had a celly, and then I would start to work out. And we were given we were given our rec, our morning, afternoon, and night rec. But during COVID, it threw my routine off. Like that really just like changed everything. Cause like I said, go when you go to jail, like get, once you go, it's only thing you you don't gotta adapt to the system. You gotta adapt to the people around you. Right. Yeah, so it's 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 never gonna be something different. Whether you have to deal with the, with the COs or the other right. or the other depends on where you at. Whether you got inmates or convicts, but you 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 gotta deal with them. But with that, the worst part was just having everything taken away because you have to figure out how to adapt like going from you having three hours out mm-hmm. and you're happy if you get a two-hour yard right to all right we're not giving you nothing you are in here for three days the, the worst part for me was i remember i was i was on a medium block at the time and uh can you explain what that is so they had the different levels just based off of your case and and your uh the the way that you act i mean you have a, a maximum a medium and a minimum medium minimum pretty much the same but with that it just goes based off your behavior and your charges i mean like you can have a you can if you're there for like a murder you're not going to go to a medium or you're not yeah, going to no, be able to get any max <laughs> or like if you're there for like a shooting but it, it it all depends on how they classify your case but i remember i was i was on a medium block and uh it was funny because i had a cellmate and uh, it was the guy that was on Penn Street, the mm-hmm. one that was getting tased for punching the cop. That was who my cell, my gotcha. cell was. <laughs> and uh, me and him would talk. Me and him would talk all the time. And I remember, and he, and it was crazy as he just, he just had came home from prison. He mm-hmm. just did 18 years. Right. So it was for him, it was different because he was from uh, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So they did a lot of stuff different there. Yeah. Okay. So like, got. With me and him, we didn't have too many issues. It was just more so of a, like, we just have to respect each other's boundaries on certain things. Like, he wants his stuff on this half, and I, all right, that's my head. If you use a bathroom, you just respect the other person, and you take a knee if you if you have to, you have to take a piss. Like, just so that way that your space is only but so big. But right. me and him, I remember we were, uh, we just got done with wreck. I was talking to my girl. And we came back in and I knocked on the door and I was asking the CEO something and they shut down the wreck and for the, for the second tier. Mm-hmm. So I, I seen the CEO, he went to break. He came back, he came back with orange gloves on and a mask. So I'm like, what's going on? Oh shit. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, you got a mask now. And he's right. like, Nah, nothing. They're just making us swear. I'm like, nah, like. <laughs> so wait, so when COVID hit, yeah, they were already walking around masked up and gloves, but y'all didn't have anything on. So the way it happened was when I guess everybody was aware of it out here. I guess from what we were told, they had a, uh, 
somebody in in uh I think I believe it was uh not I'm I want to say Greaterford, but uh I'm trying to I slipped in my mind what it's called now. But basically at Greater First, somebody had called it and they, they locked down the state prisons. That's what mm-hmm. they were telling us. And uh once uh they it went down the pipeline, it was supposedly. Right. So when they found out, all I know was dude had 30 minute break. He went to break regular and came back with a mask and gloves on. And I'm like, so then they, they let us know oh, you just can't come out. So it was like it was like that for like a day or two, mm-hmm. and before we knew anything, then you have the people that have been through the system already. The people that some people that are going back upstate, that been, and right. they're like, "Oh, that's when everybody starts with the martial law." And yeah, that's everybody, that's that all can happen. Yep. <laughs> everybody starting. They're gonna they're gonna get us first to knock us yep. out. And I'm, it just was it it was just stressful because you you don't know what's going on. You're you're hearing about everything and you have your family out there that you're worried about. Mm-hmm. You can't use the phone. You can't do too much of anything. Cause it's not stressful at this point. Yeah. yeah. And then you're not knowing what's going on because we're not being informed. So that was what just was making it worse. I mean, it, I'm not going to say that they did a lot of bad things because I don't think that they knew mm-hmm. and they didn't know what it was about really. Right. But as far as leaving everybody else in the dark, I just seen myself. My my thing was, all right, well, I'm gonna let everybody. This probably be for a week. I'm gonna let right. everybody act crazy. Right. <laughs> that, that give me that give me more privileges. Right. <laughs> but you had you you had the people that that were really just they didn't they didn't care. Like, oh, well, what else are you gonna do from us? Are you gonna send me to the hole? We're already in here 24 hours, right. not doing anything. I think that was the worst part because. I seen certain people actually change when they when they go to jail or prison. I mean, I know everybody has the the whole girl talk. When you talk to your girl, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to come home and do right by right. you. Like I want to take care of my kids. I, right. You 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 get those conversations or mom. I promise I'm not coming back to jail. But like certain people really do feel that way. Like they needed jail as a wake up call. And like you just see like the little bit of things that you get just out the window. It's like. Right. I don't give a fuck no more. Like, whatever. Like, right. what you gonna do to me? Because I think, yeah, because that's the part that kind of breaks a lot of people down, too, because it's just like, like, for me, I, I don't bang with prisoners. I don't bang with police like that because I don't think that they necessarily do a good job of, like, yo, how are you not gonna do this thing again? Or how can we teach you to be a productive member of society and shit like that? I mean, me personally, uh, like, my pro officer, uh, I really respect that man. Right. Like, he really, like, goes out of his way like with certain things, like me looking at, look, I'm I'm looking into this. Do you know it? And he'll go out his way to actually help me the the better myself. That's dope. I mean, with with a lot of people, I don't think that because based off of their uh, opinions from other people, they assume it's the same thing with like black people. You get one black person that that beat you up in third grade, everybody's a nigga. Everybody, you know, <laughs> this is why I can't stand black but, people. Y'all acting real niggerish. But like, <laughs> like, you get your, you, like my pro officer, like I could, I could call him and, and ask him for anything. Right. As long as it's going to help to better me and he he's going to go out his way to do it. Like, I really have a lot of respect for him. Like, you know See, what I mean? that's dope. Because I, when I think about parole officers, like at least when I was growing up, what I see from my brother's dad, they didn't give a shit. Some of them, like, acted like slumlords. So for me, when I thought of a parole officer, I was like, oh, this person comes along, get a piss test, call a day, keep it moving. There's no actual, let me get you back into society or let me help you out. No, like, that's like, interesting. With the, like, me, I always got lucky and had a job. I always came back home to a job. Right. So, because I'm a good, I work. Like, that's what I do. Like, yeah. I work. I'm gonna always work. I got family. But, like, with that, if I need, if, listen, I need to do this and this, uh, for example, before my mother passed away, I was looking at buying a house. Even before the last time I went to jail, he was actually trying to get me the foreclosure list. He was breaking down to me the way everything works so- to try to help me out there. Like a lot of people, some people do have pro officers or probation officers or assholes. Some people have them, and it just is. It is what it is. It's the right. same way as if you go to McDonald's, somebody's gonna hate their job, right? Or they're just going through the motion. <laughs> Which is it's, like it's, McDonald's. I can understand. I said, but if you're a parole officer, sir, like or person, like. There should be a little bit more intent when you're working with other human beings it, like that. I, I definitely agree, but yeah. I, like I said, I, you you can't expect everybody to 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 like no, what they're fun. doing. Yeah, 
sometimes it's just a job. But give me my task and I'm gonna get done with it. Cool. Like what like with my pro officer personally, like the last two that I've had, like they they were they were good. Like they were good to me. Mm-hmm. Like as far as I know you're on you gotta still always remember like you're on supervision. So you're not gonna have all the freedoms you want. Right. You're, you're gonna have to still check in and do the things that you have to, but it just is it just is making sure that you're responsible for one accountability mm-hmm. and two to stay out of the stay out of all the nonsense. Like right. I, I, this is the most I've been around kids. Right. And I, I look at everybody else and I'm like, I would have been right there with them. Look, oh, he got locked up. Oh, man. Oh, he got locked I would just been standing there and got locked up. Like, right. Wouldn't even been doing nothing. But like, I, I really, I really appreciate, I really appreciate everything that my pro officer does with me. Like, he, he helps me out. But like, as far as with, uh, with, even with jail, like, you, you have your COs there. Like, right. it's a lot of COs that, you have your ones that are that are just dicks, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just dicks. Yeah. And then you have the ones that, that they have their favorites, mm-hmm. and then you have the ones that are just down to earth, where you can they treat you like a person, right? Like I, I feel like in all in all fields of that, like I, I don't look at COs as law enforcement as much, but like like parole cops. Uh, if you go to correction officers, like you, mm-hmm. it, as long as it's a mutual like respect there like i've never been i've been disrespected by correctional officers right. many a times and it's to the point where do i want to be reprimanded for speaking up and not being disrespected mm-hmm. or do i want to sit down and essentially be like jump like you it breaks you out of that it, it, right. it helps you develop to a sense of your peace of mind which your which your peace of mind is worth like, right that that's me that's so interesting and thank you for like sharing that part of the story too because i don't think like we get to delve into like those parts of the conversations i think excuse me when especially after 2020 like we're talking about defund the police let's do this let's do this let's do this and all that whatnot and so even then there is this obvious very real thing it was like "Uh, police overall we don't bang with (laughs) y'all however when you do find people in certain fields because even for my mom like i looked at her job i said nah that's a braxis how you work for braxis they're literally um funding the police like if you look at geocorp like garbage but she was also in the space where she was like no i have i'm in this space because i want to help these young boys i want to make sure that they are good and like once they get back because there's a lot of shit that they go through that yeah. the rest of the world they they're only gonna see them for the bad shit that they do but they never yeah. ask them like what led you to doing this thing yeah like most people when they look at when they look at the parole officer it it, it sucks because like i said for example like my my po like he's a good guy mm-hmm. so like when you when i say he's a good guy and you have 10 other people that say that their po's are dicks i look like i'm an uncle tom right <laughs> you know what i mean like but it just will parole, like I said, it, it, and probation. It keep it keeps you where you're out of the way, like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It just gives you a guideline to follow. As long as you're doing everything you need to do, it shouldn't be an issue, right? Like you you shouldn't have too many you shouldn't have too many problems. Even when you even when you're in uh when you're incarcerated, like I always go to get a job. I want to get in the kitchen, right? Like, for one, mm-hmm. I, I get to cook whatever I want. I get to cook like and. Two, I'm, I get more privileges. You got more time out. You you can use the phone. I mean, now they have the tablets there and everything, and you can you can call. Most people don't even like to go out, but it it wouldn't to me. I I don't want to be pacified. Right. I want to have some something that I don't. If you take the tablet away and I'm stuck in there 23 hours, I get one hour to shower or whatever throughout the day. Like, nah, right. I can't. I would rather be opened up where you can you can start moving around and, and function. But I mean, I did I did see that they were about to make some changes. I, I guess with the with the building, they're going to reconstruct things there mm-hmm. because you have the old side, the new side of the, the jail there. So yeah. the old side is still it is you still got the bars yep. and yep. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> it, it, it is it's different. But right. like during COVID. I went to the kitchen. I went to a working block on the old side. I was there for like three months. And we got one hour out a day. Yeah, it was one hour out a day right after lunch if we weren't working that week. Because they would have the bottom tier working and the top tier would be off. 
or the top tier work and the bottom tier off just in case somebody on one of the tiers got it, they could have the other one work the two weeks. Right, right, right. But like it was 12 o'clock, like from 12 to one, you got your wreck and they would do a side, one side and then the other side. After that, you were locked in for the rest of the day. So by one o'clock, you're like, by the time pills come at like yeah. five thirty, six o'clock, you're like, oh man, this, it's, that's, that's it. Like, right. that's the end of the day. Like That's wild. So I think I even want to take this a little bit further just in terms of like, for one, like how long is parole? If you don't mind me asking, how long is yours? Mine's will be up uh, next January. And then now with it being up next January, do you think like parole kind of gave you the skill sets you need in order to kind of be able to function by yourself? Not necessarily. I mean, because I still got I had a three years probation to follow that. So, yeah. but even even with that, like it's not that it just gave me the it, it just it just says you know when you're when you're doing something and you you know you're not supposed to do something you know your mom's over your shoulder. Uh-huh. It's like one of those like I right, I could get away with it, but do I really want to do it and risk it? It, it? it gave me one of those. I I got locked up already on parole. I caught a different case, mm-hmm. but. It was, it, it just gives me the, right now, like, uh, you know what, it's not even worth it because right. I, I have kids and, and, and my family now that, like, it's like, it, it just doesn't hurt me going to jail. Right. So it just, it just is a constant reminder to me. Like, I, I don't get upset about checking into my PO, not because just that I, he's a good guy, but, like, I don't get upset about it because... It just is something I have to do to to get close. Like I want to go on trips. Like this right. this year specifically, like uh, my girl and the kids are going to Dominican Republic from on my birthday because <laughs> her dad's birthday is two days after mine. <laughs> so, but I can't go. You know what right. I mean? Like I want to get it over with so I can I can go out if my family wants to go wherever. I want to go to China. I want to go somewhere. I, right. Not something common. I want to be. I want to Bangladesh. Right. Like okay. I want to do that stuff. So it just it just is keeping the battery in my back to to work harder to make more money because by the time I get done with all this, I should have enough money to start going on trips once a month. Right. Right. Okay. That part. <laughs> once that a month. part. Yeah, yo. Because that's because what I want to get into a little bit more now. Like you mentioned, family and like oftentimes we don't talk about like how prison like being incarcerated also affects the family who's not incarcerated yeah. and that's that's Definitely a kind of a does. different beast and i remember growing up we were we used to be in and out like all right who got visit today all right my mom had to pack us all up make sure we was on the list gotta go have this quick conversation last no more half hour to an hour situation and then head back but i remember it was just like oh i also feel obligated to see this person because we need to make sure they're good because if the people on inside aren't treating them well at least here's some type of semblance of home so like what was what was like do you did you see it impact your family in a very particular kind of way and how did you deal with that like uh my mother mainly (laughs) my my mother it bothered me the last time i was in jail because uh I felt like more than than I got accustomed to how to deal with it, my my uh, excuse me, my mother did like it was just like oh right, like and and she was all bubbly come to see me hey, and I'm like why are you so happy to be in here what the hell right like why are you why right. are you ha- <laughs> I'm happy because I get out the cell you know, we we, yeah, we were yeah, locked yeah. down all yesterday but like it it affects everybody and then the kids like the first time where it crushed me uh, with my son. He knew I was. He knew I was in jail, and uh, was I, I think I bailed out. I bailed out that time, and uh, made me break down and cry because the way that he was raised. I told him. I sat him down, and I was like, "Look, I did something I wasn't supposed to do, and I'm probably gonna have to go away for a little bit." And he told he looked me in the face and wiped my tears away because I didn't want to like I was it, I, I was having back and forth with like the baby mom and all that stuff. But uh he he looked me in the face and was like, Well, you did it, you did something wrong one time. Just 
make sure you don't do it again. It's going to be all right. I don't love you no different. Like, just make wow. sure that you're not, make sure you don't do it again because next time it wasn't an accident. Oh, snap. So, and I was like, he's so young and like straightforward. Right. He, had, he had to be about like six at the time, maybe five. And I'm like, whoa. So then uh, I got locked up again. <laughs> and I'm talking to him on the phone and it was just like, all right, cool, whatever. Like, yeah. So it just became normal. And that's what started to bother me because it, it, it's not normal to be taken away from your family, mm-hmm. to have your family have to, I've seen people's family like struggle. Like I've seen people like go crazy on their spouses, mothers, everybody like over money on their books so they can eat. Cause some people like me personally, I'll eat some of the food, but it's a lot of food I just choose not to eat. It's not because it, it just is not to my liking. Right. You know what I mean? Like. But I've seen people go crazy over snacks. They might be gambling, whatever the case is, and they want to have their money there. They put that 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 hardship on their family. They don't even care. They love their family so much. I sort of worried about, but they don't even care if their family has the money to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Like they just are worried about them in there. <coughs> so it, yeah. it, it gets goofy. It, it definitely gets goofy. Right. right. But your family, like my my girls' kids, like they were. I went to school. So it was it was when you coming home from school. And, yeah. it, and it's like that sucks because yeah. they were so sad I was in I was in school and they would tell me on the phone, Oh, I'm coming up to go to school with you this weekend. I miss <laughs> you. Right? And I'm like, I wish you could. Right. But me me coming home to to feeling on the I would I would never go back. I tell myself every morning when I get up, I'm not going back to jail or prison. Right. I'm I'm not like I it's not that I can't do it if if I if I did it, it it's gonna be for something that was like unavoidable, like somebody harmed my kid, like right. that, something like that. I'm not gonna go back for nothing petty. Right. Uh, I, I you just make better choices. Like right. if you have drugs on you, I won't allow you around me. Right. If you have a gun on you, I won't allow you around me. Because not only is that putting me in a situation, but it puts my family in a situation that right. Because now you have to think about something bigger than yourself. Like yeah, yeah, like not even saying like I'm allowing it around my family, but if I'm around mm-hmm. you just for being around you with that, that not only could give me another case, but it could, it could just put me in a situation where I'm, I'm a month or two. I'm, they might drop my charges or whatever the case is and I pro let me go. But now I, I'm away from my family. So now that they're, they're stressing out, like, and I would, I would never put, I would never put my family through that again. Ever. Right. No, and thank you for sharing that. That that's wild and important. Like just to kind of recognize because it's like that's a lot of shit to take on. Like your mental, emotional, you gotta think about the family and the weight that you're carrying and all of this kind of stuff. So like what are ways that you being out has been allowing you to time to grow yourself as a man, to grow as Nehemiah and like you figure out what you need, like what are some things you learned about yourself? I mean, as far as growing, like I would say, like uh, just being being more intact with my family, like that that itself, like I can have more fun than the average person want to go to the bar on the weekend, or mm-hmm. they want to go to like a hookah lounge. Like I'd rather just be with the kids, just having pillow fights and stuff. Like yeah. I'd rather, all right, we're going we're going out to go here, dude. I had I had I had the girls wrap me up the other day and they wrapped me up like a burrito like that, that that's their thing. Oh, let's wrap them like a and, and and I'm on the bed and, and and my bed sits about like this high off of the ground right like so they I, they pushed me off the bed it was a drop it was a drop and I I was just like please don't let me land on my face. So it's all over. <laughs> like, I'm rather I'm rather, I'm, rather, I'm, rather, I'm rather be doing stuff like that with the kids like uh, my little one she likes to go fishing now. So I we should be out fishing me. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like I just try to stay occupied. Like me, me and my girl, we we just try to bond as much as we can. Try to go go out, do things. I mean, I'm 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 a house person now. I, I really ain't doing too much of, of nothing. I like staying in the house. I I can't get in trouble being at home. Right. <laughs> so I ra- I'd rather just chill out like too many coincidences that could happen. It's not too many coincidences gonna happen at home. Right. Worst case, she yell at me, I go in the other room. Right. <laughs> like, you know how that goes. <laughs> nah, but this this was 
cool. I think it's important to just get into these conversations a little bit more. It's, it's, it's honest. It's, it's simple. We know each other. So like, it's not that bad. Um, but it's also kind of like shed a light on this too. Cause it's just like, there are, we can talk about BCP, but we can talk about like your development. We can talk about your experiences and stuff like that, which is like important for a lot of people in the city of Redmond here, because I think this episode is going to be important because now people are actually able to kind of hear like, nah, here's, here's the thing. You're also a storyteller. So you, you know how to take us along very well. <laughs> no, it's more so, I mean, with, with, with BCP, you, you have the certain people in there that as far as like that are on one side, as right. far as like CEOs that they make your time, they make, they make your stay uncomfortable. Right. right? Because you, you don't have no rights when you're, when you're in jail, as much as you can write grievances and everything else, you, you don't have any rights. Right. And, well, you have the CEOs that are like, listen, you know, you shouldn't have this, you know, you should right. Get, let me get that or get rid of it. Like it's, I'm not gonna be petty and, and you don't have nothing already. I'm not gonna go toss your wholesale and I know you don't have anything right. or, but then it, it, it's rough because you 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 get so much people that, that don't have respect that if I was outside and somebody would violate me to a certain degree, I probably would put my hands on them just because out of frustration. Right. It teaches you how to control your frustration, though, and becoming. Mm-hmm. I think the development you learn as a person inside makes it easier for you on the outside. Because, I mean, if if you're punching on CEOs and everything in jail, when you come home, it's the yeah, same CEOs thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But once you start to control your emotions, I, I don't want to say it like uh, like you don't have any emotions because it's, it's some people there that they just totally when they lose it it's not that they lose it and go crazy they just lose it and it's just as it's like tunnel vision they don't nothing like they just it breaks them down right it, it, it's rough it's, it's rough when you, if you if you get broken a lot of people uh they get on medication the medication helps them cope with everything <clears throat> and me personally i mean it's, it's been times that i took medication when i was there like i'll be like listen I'm having one of those days a day mm-hmm. and, I, and that turns into I'm having one of those days yeah. a couple of days in a row and then it's like and they're like you alright and I'm like no I, I don't want to hurt myself but I don't like the way he looking at me over there right. and, and they're like you ain't never even talked to him you need to right. go to medical real quick and I'm like yeah and, and but that's it, real those are, that's, those would be emotions though like the conditions that y'all are in it's close quarters it's always like yeah you, you got somebody kind of stuff like and, and then the bcp uh it's not like you have a child hole or anything you eat in your cell the same place you use a bed from it right so it it's it's rough because like for example you you don't you want to try to eliminate using the bathroom with the other person in there as much as you have to so right. somebody go to wreck i'm gonna use a bathroom real quick or if somebody go to the medical i'm gonna try to use a bathroom real quick right but like that, some, that, oh that's right you shit in front of these people yeah you, oh my gosh you, I, I mean that's right oh my goodness you can put your skirt on or you can put the put the sheet up in, and put the towel in the door use a bathroom but like you with that I mean if my celly was to use the bathroom before I go to get my tray like that may lead to us rumbling because if I'm about to eat why you why would you use a bathroom right and you know I'm about to come back in here with a tray. Right, like it, it, it just is. It no, turns at that something. point, you got you got a you got a cellmate agreement. At this point, uh, n- we're not shitting at this time. You yeah, figure it yeah, out. Nah, yeah, nah, you have you have to make those kind of arrangements. Like, listen, me personally, I always uh, try to stay with. Most people want to get sweets when they're locked up because they can use that as like as money, right. suits. But like me, like the main thing I want, other than like my hygiene and a couple sweets, is I want baby powder because you can use it as an air freshener. Or you get like a a bar, a a bar of soap, like say like Irish Spring, and you'll push it in the vent so that the air blowing out kind oh, of circulating. Yeah, right. So that way that your your cell doesn't it doesn't smell. The baby powder for me works the best, but it it, it it's, it's different. Like you got to try to to cope with everything. Yeah, you finesse like these things. That's that's crazy though. Like that, it was to the point that I had uh, my one my one cellmate. He's like. 
did your girl send you the baby powder? And I'm like, yeah, like I, had, <laughs> like, I good. <laughs> like, and then you get creative. Like, I never wanted to cut hair or anything, but being in your cell a whole day at a time, a week at a time without coming out, no phone call, no nothing. Like, I start learning how to cut hair. I'm, I'm in there cutting hair with a fingernail clipper. Right. Like, and I'm in there like giving whole full that's crazy full fades and everything right and I'm right, like, right right i cut my own hair the one day the dude said who did that to you and i was like did what they messed it up and he was like nah that looked good who did that and i'm like i did it he said, how you do that i said the nail cutter i had all day like and he was right. like you shouldn't come back to jail you should be able to have a job like, right you, you you wasting talent and i'm like well you get somebody enough time to learn certain things like you just learn to keep your mind focused, like right. working out. You start trying to, uh, you, you do so much stuff to stay, to stay occupied. It's not so much as it's a punishment once you adjust to it. Yeah, that's, that's wild though, because as you're describing this, I'm thinking about when quarantine first started for a lot of people. Rough. And they said, no, this y'all feel like prison. You can't tell me I can't do this, this and this. And I said, it's and not then, prison. And then, <laughs> and then we're incarcerated. And that right there is like, I would get to talk to my my girl like I say like every three days, and you would have to pick. You have thirty minutes, and that thirty minutes you were supposed to take a shower, use the phone, and clean yourself. So you had thirty minutes to do all of that, and it was each cell got thirty minutes throughout the day. So right. they might start in the morning, but then they'll work their way around through the whole bottom tier, then the whole top tier, and uh. 30 minutes my girl be at work so i'll be happy like yeah i got i got a night i got a night one so i would try to call i might not get through or it starts to mess with you mentally because i'm i'm writing like my girl's put money on my book she's writing me sending me mail i'm and i'm just stressed out like just because you don't have anything to grab one on the outside you know all this crazy stuff is happening right and in my mind like i i grew up around a lot of old school people you go to jail you go to jail i break up with a girl you still my girl, but I, my mom right. we not together. Right. right. Cause I'm not gonna be breaking phones because you with another dude or right. in my mind that's how it goes. But like if you if you put money on my books, I appreciate you you the homie for right now. Right, right, right. You, right. you, <laughs> you holding it down. You holding Thank it you. down for me. If you do something, you don't even gotta tell me about it. Like that's you you living like I shouldn't have came in here. But like I'll be stressed out because I'm like, damn, I haven't heard from her in a minute. Like she tight at me, she's not answering. Right, right. <laughs> I just want to make sure she's good. I know this crazy stuff is going on. And I might tell she's like, I'm like, yo, you all right? Like, you mad at me or something? She's like, nah, what you talking about? I'm like, yo, try to call you. She was like, yo, I'm so sorry I missed your call. Like, it, everything's crazy out here. And I'm like, nah, it can't be that crazy. I tripping about some flu shit. That's what I was telling her for a what? month. She's like, no, it's like not no cars out here, no. It Nothing. was a ghost town. Yeah, like she was, she was there. I'm like, man, that's just the damn flu. Everybody acting crazy. And then they started, I started seeing stuff, all the people that was dying. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But it, it was, it was, it was, it added more stress on the stress you, you initially have from being locked up. Like, right. And they, with the people you see, like I said, like it's people that just, it's not that they don't get, care about anything else. It just is that they're, I, I had a dude I was cool with. I mean, he'd been through it in and out the system. And uh, he just didn't care that he was locked up. He was like, he had the OS saying, there's only two days that matter, the day you come in, the day you leave. Right. Like, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get, I'm going to get 10 years. Like, I don't care. I'm living day to day. If I got to punch you in the face, I got to punch you in the face. Like, this regular. Right. And it's sad because that's the way it is. Like, even with me, like once I started to get to when I got to the working block, like with that, they were like, How you do without without a cellmate? You're in there by yourself with just a radio and it got to the point where I didn't want a cellmate. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in there three, four months without nobody else in the cell. Like right. I want my own space. That's your like, own space. That's your own that's your own routine. You don't have to adjust around anybody else at this point. But it, but the downside is you're in there without no no interaction with nobody right. for a whole day at a time. You get one hour to yourself. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I I was struggling. I said, and I was I had Amanda. Like we had Zoom and phones and all of this, so I can only imagine. Like for me, I'm a social person. Yeah. Other people are just like, I'm thriving right now. Like, and then to the point where I'm no longer thriving because 
I need human interaction because that's how I kind of reflect who I am. I can see Maybe. myself and interact. Yeah, that drunk's crazy though. Like, like I, I would yeah. have you. I would have to. I mean, you get you get yelled at for it, but I mean, you figure on the old side of jail, a whole block is probably like a city block, mm-hmm. and I was in all the way at the last cell on on the left side of the, of the, of the tier and. I'm yelling all the way down on the gate to somebody all the way at the other end in the first yeah. cell, and we're all trying to just bid together, like, or you you got somebody where you're fishing for books and everything, like, mm-hmm. they pop for trays, you're coming out grabbing as many books as you, like, I probably read three books in a day, like, right. and they're like, how you reading? Listen, you gotta keep your mind occupied. Right. And at that time, I'll get my medication at night, I'll get my medication during the day, and I'll be in the middle of the book. I'll not out, go to sleep, get up, work out, go read some more of the book, cook. You can use the microwave or whatever. The water get real hot, so you could cook in your, you could cook in your sink, make something to eat. But other than that, like it was, got to the point where it was like, I, if I, they give me a cellmate, I'm gonna flip out. Right. Like I'm gonna flip out. I don't want nobody in here. I don't look, listen. Right. I was, I, I was like, oh, I'm gonna act like I'm crazy. Like I, I'm asleep on the top bunk, and it'd be like they bring somebody in there, like, yo, main man down there, like I don't know why they sent you here. You gotta go somewhere else. Like, nah, I'm screaming. He said, "Absolutely not. I don't think so." <laughs> like get to the point where we're being institutionalized. I'm, I remember it was going back to what you were saying before, though, versus going in and then coming out. I remember it wasn't this time. I just came home. The time before. What threw me off the worst was I, I I got paroled to my mother's house, and my mother was working. Uh, she was working third shift at the time, second and third shift. So I was home. It had to be about the first week I was home, and I was I was at my girlfriend at the time. I was, I was going through whatever with her, but. Uh, I was in the house by myself. Mm-hmm. It was like the first week I'm home though. Right. Like the first week, like not even a full week. Right, right. And I just felt like I was going to get in trouble. Like, yeah. just being like, I just had, it was too much space. Like, right. I just, I just felt like I was going to get in trouble. Like I'm like, yo. And uh, I remember my, my girlfriend at the time came over to my mom's house and she was like, hey, you've been in my mom's house. You know, the bathroom is small. Like, right. So she was like, yo, why are you in the bathroom? And I'm like, I just feel comfortable. Like, That's wild. Like, and I, I would be I'll be in the bathroom. Like, I had my phone and everything else. But, like, I, I'd be in the bathroom chilling, feet up. I'll go run out real quick, get something to eat, come back in the bathroom and eat. Because it was like, a routine. Yeah, it, it was yeah. weird. Like, and I'll wake up. I'll, I'll wake up at certain times, like, the same way I would there, like, it, it just was weird. It took me like a good month not to be comfortable sitting in the bathroom. Well, it was, it's interesting. Cause like my dad, like when he got out, he was in jail for 24 years straight. He was in the hole for eight of them years. Yeah. And the, so for him, when he got out, forms of communication for him were hella important. Yeah. Like he once if he loses his phone, like it's all better off. Like his anxiety is through the roof. Yeah. Um, he has to like, he had to adjust to like, developing his own routine because it was so monitored his entire time and then even then like he he got to see everything that's going on because he wasn't in just like not that he was in a maximum security type situation and so for him his experience was definitely one where he's just like nah there were shit happened people antagonized him like there was a lot so for him to come out of jail for the first time out of prison for the first time it was he 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 maxed out so he didn't have parole. He was on probation, none of that. So he was Yeah. So it was like hard for him to adjust because then when he went back, that's when he had his wake up call. It was like, oh, he tasted that sense of freedom for seven months, I believe. He went back in September, and then he got out just before, just after the pandemic started. Like, and, and that that's a that's a crazy part because like my la- my last case that I caught was something petty. Mm-hmm. I turned it into something bigger than what it had to be right and i was drinking 
I was drinking just just to piss somebody off, all this other extra stuff. Long story short, I decided I was going to leave to get away from what I was going on. And uh, I got pulled over. They said I didn't have my headlights on. I know I had my headlights on. I seen mm-hmm. the video. My headlights was on. Right. Oh, I say I'm my discovery. My headlights was on. He, I was just the only car on the road. But uh, he busts a U-turn and gets behind me. And I go on a high-speed chase. And, uh, yeah, I end up crashing and everything, getting yeah. out and still running. and But all of that, when I probably would have got, like, driving with a suspended license and, like, two or three days in jail and maybe a parole violation, depending right. on if they did violate me or not. But I go on a high-speed chase. To the point that they think that I have stuff in the car. Yeah, like so now you get they're like, to chase you. They're like, what do you have in a car? Like, you don't even have and they toss the car up and down. And they're like, you don't even have anything. Why why did you do that? And it, it just says you get the mentality, like, I'm not going back to jail. Like right. if I'm going back to jail, you're gonna make me go back. Like right. and I had that mindset at that time. I mean, now I'm I don't do anything. If they stop, I get stopped, I get stopped. I don't even, I don't drive, I don't do anything. Right. I don't do anything I'm not supposed to do. So right. that way, I, like, I'm, like I'm straighter than the line right, right now. Like, and it just is easier for me to be that way. But like at, at that point, it was I, was, I just didn't want to get back. I didn't want to get locked up. I'm like, well, if, if that's the case. I mean, and it was it was immature for me to be like that. But but I think that you're, you're also talking about like what happened for you in that moment was anxiety. What happened for you yeah. in that moment potentially was PTSD because you're just like, no, nope, I. I'm not going back to this thing. And so even then, like, that's a, that's an anxiousness that's very real because you, you're like, no, I can't go back to this thing. But now you gave them a reason to kind of step into that because it yeah. wasn't going to be off no bullshit you were going back. Yeah, it was something. to work for it. It was something. It, and I don't even want to say I made them work for it, but it, it, it was, I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was doing a couple of things. I wasn't supposed to be drunk. I wasn't supposed to be, I wasn't supposed to be driving. Mm-hmm. And like I said, my, the punishment wouldn't have been as bad if I would have just stopped, but right. it just is in your mind. Like, because in order for you to adjust to being incarcerated, it takes time. Right. So you gotta, you gotta adjust to your situation and then you have to uh, when you come home you have to adjust to the the regular life again it just is that adjustment in there like i don't know anybody besides like the like the junkies right that when they go in there can just eat the food like i'm not eating for a week a week and a half like i'm losing weight and everything like even if I get commissary worse, noodles and honey buns and rice crisps, I'm not eating that because it's like I don't eat like that on the street. I'm not eating noodles every day. I'm not I'm not eating summer sausages and this and this. Like so you still have to adjust it, whether you eat good as far as jail standards or you eat good as far as you you getting double trays or whatever, but it just is like that's a big difference. Right. I remember the the one time I got locked up, I had I was eating pork at the time. I threw these ribs. I had the ribs cooking on like 200 since like 12 in the afternoon to like 7.30 at night. I was like, "Uh, I'm going to eat these when I come back. I get locked up. I'm pissed. I'm like, I got these ribs in there. I taste a little piece. And I come to the bologna sandwich that's like a half an inch Mm -hmm. thick. And it's crazy. And I'm like, no, no. This is crazy. I can, it just is a lot to adjust to to get back to that. Right. It's it's not worth it's not worth it. Everybody, you, you do get PTSD from that. Like it is, it just is something. That if if you're going back, you're going back because either you feel comfortable there, yep. which is sad. And that's a reality though, because people can't adjust outside of prison. Because at the end of the day, I need this routine. Because other than that, that means you have to rediscover yourself. You have right. to completely shift what you've been doing. And now you you have this free will that you haven't had for so long. Like, yeah, like a lot of people, a lot of people uh once once they and I put it this way, even when people you get people on the street that are that are menaces mm-hmm. and they go to prison and, and they're humble. Yep. And then you have people that is soft on the street and go to prison and just go crazy. Right. And it's like, yo, main man would leave him alone. Right. They, 
But it all goes down, like I said, it all boils back down to respect. But the main thing is no nobody wants to go back in unless they get to that point where they can't function without that kind of structure. Right. Like and and it's crazy. Like with the structure that you have, it it's like signing up for the military kind of like yeah. it, it's it's weird it's weird that's that's the part that's the shit that'd be crazy to me because i'm just like at this point if prisons have to exist they should be a space where um like actual restoration actually happens yeah. like are you setting me up so i can make sure i get a job outside of here are you setting me up or is this school happening like i remember my grandma she used to be a psych in the in BCP, so she would not like so she would give out the medicine and stuff, and so she's just like, no, I can identify when this person's feeling this way. I see when this person's feeling this way. This person doesn't need these. This person needs this, like all this kind of stuff. So I remember she used to be exhausted coming back because she was just like she sees so many young people, she sees so many kids like who go through the process and watches that transformation happen, whether it's from them becoming dependent on certain prescriptions that she has to give out or seeing people deal with anxiety in different kinds of ways. She's just like, nah, this is a lot to deal with. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, it is wild. But I think you named a lot of stuff that I think a lot of people can take away um, listening to this because I think that's the hardest part is like really adjusting to like this new lifestyle and how do you, not even, I don't even call it a lifestyle, but how do you adjust to that way of life? A new, yeah, yeah, it's a new norm. A, it's a It's a way to kind of reintroduce yourself to you <laughs> um depending on like where you're at and whatnot but then you covered a lot just in terms like, of like development and- like it just like the, the stuff is crazy like my girl tell you like i had to to readjust to the standing up and taking a piss yeah like, that that it, that's so, crazy yeah. as a man like that it's not that i'm gonna sit down and take a piss but like i i'll sit down and take a knee i i'll sit down and take a knee so i could i could use a bathroom and it looks crazy to everybody else, but like as soon as you come home, like it, it just then you're you're like, what am I doing wrong? Like you know what I mean? Right. Like, like I, I I would get my food to be hot. I wrap my food a bowl. I wrap it. I put something over top of it, wrap it in a towel, and, and put it there. Like and it's a microwave right there, though. Right. You know what I mean? And they're like, wow. What are you doing? Yeah, that's that's fucked out. Like it, you just gotta you gotta readjust, but. I mean, it, it all comes out. I don't think that so many people should be incarcerated for as what they are. I mean, as far as everything being harsh, like it's a lot, it's a lot of a lot of things people are getting locked up for that. It's dumb shit. I'm gonna be honest. Like, don't get me reading off these stats because I said the amount of nonviolent things that people are in jail for. That's crazy. And considering even when we talk about weed, people are making money off of it now legally making money off of it now but people are still incarcerated like off of the same thing that to me is like bugged out but that's a whole nother history you already know what it is um but i do want to thank you for coming on to the show and no, having this course. conversation i appreciate you um, for having this conversation i hope a lot of our listeners also gain some value out of this too um other than that do you have any words of wisdom that you want to impart to this audience and if you do, hold that thought, because that means we're going to move into the Dear Reading segment. Um, so the Dear Reading segment is where we have our open love letters to the city of Reading. So anything that we talked about throughout this episode or a piece of advice that you want to give out to the people, that's what this section is for. So I'll start and then you'll go. So you just start Dear Reading and then whatever you got to say to the city. Um, so I'll start um, Dear Reading. Make sure that you are talking to the most marginalized, make sure you're talking to the people that you deem invisible, whether they are formerly incarcerated, currently incarcerated, they the stoop niggas that you don't even want to acknowledge. Um, and a lot of this stuff that we have going on in our hometown, um, when we think about BCP, but we think about the larger conversation of mass incarceration, uh, just be mindful, kind of understand these different experiences and don't just think about the initial reason as to why this person either went to jail or is incarcerated or was formerly incarcerated, really start to understand the whys behind these things because there's a human um, standing right there in front of you that we might not recognize all the time. So just be mindful, keep it pushing um, and think about the most marginalized. And now it's on to you. Oh man. Yeah, (laughs) I try to ramble a little bit so I gave you time to prep. (laughs) 
be ready and keep your head up. That's it. Hey, keep, keep your head up. Because can't nobody else keep it up but you. And there's not too many people that's out there that's trying to help you to keep it up. I mean, I would I recommend that everybody just reflect on everything that they're doing and see what they can do better. Mm-hmm. Just to help themselves by doing that to avoid the, the issues that you can get into. Because it, it, the way everything's going in, in that city, like it's it's not it's not in our favor right it's not, and, and it, to be truthful it, it's not even the white or black thing no more spanish thing it just is it's crazy for them to even admit that like you can't even use the white card too much no more like you you have to really protect yourself as just a person like as long as you can reflect back on yourself and look at everything that you're doing and, and you wake up like just don't wake up without a purpose make sure that you have, have, wake up! Wake up like you like, and move around like you have a backbone, like you have a spine. Don't don't do anything today that you are gonna regret tomorrow, and don't do anything that you would have said that you wish you would have had to do. I mean, wake up! Wake up like it wasn't an accident. Right. Oh, that's a word, and that's a wonderful way to end this episode. Once again, thank you. I hope everybody has also gained value from this episode. We'll see you next time. Peace. That shit was solid, bro.